0: I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Dr. Carla Marie Manley, PhD, author of The Joy of Imperfect Love, The Art of Creating Healthy, Securely Attached Relationships. Who among us uh, uh, hasn't at one time or another felt stuck in an unhealthy relationship or lamented our inability to find that perfect someone? Clinical psychologist Dr. Kara, Carla Marie Manley knows the secret to creating genuine, joy filled relationships, and it has nothing to do with perfection. She emphasizes that real love is messy and imperfect, and she offers profound yet easily digestible insights for building healthy relationships. She provides research-backed insights, captivating case examples, and empowering exercises to lead readers through an exploration of how attachment issues and unresolved trauma negatively impact both self-love and relationship quality. Dr. Manley guides readers into a transformative journey toward compassionate, healthy co- Connections. She has been cited by numerous media outlets, including the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, the LA Times, USA Today, Forbes, Oprah, Newsweek, and many more. Welcome to the show, um, Dr. Carla Marie Manley. Nice to have you on today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure.
0: Well, I think one of the things, and I, I guess I mentioned it a couple times in the intro, Somehow we all, and I'm going to say we all, or most of us are looking for that perfect relationship. And of course, with that kind of an expectation, I would say most of those, many of those relationships fail because they are, all our relationships are imperfect relationships. So talk to us about how and why we can overcome this looking for the perfect someone. That's such terrific question because it's
1: all encompassing. What we want to first realize is that our expectations for love come a great deal from how we're socialized. As we're growing up, little girls are trained to think that there's a Prince Charming out there. Um, The other half is trained to think that there is their perfect, gorgeous, do-everything person out there. And so we have mindsets that lead us to believe that this should just happen, it should just be perfect, it should just be happily ever after. As well, social media now plays a huge role because people have these carefully curated images and darling little reels showing ideal relationships that are just snapshots, sometimes deeply, you know, heavily staged, that we are thinking as we're viewing them. This is what I should have. This is what my relationship should be like. And as long as we have those illusions and we're basing our lives on this illusion of perfection, perfect relationships, we are definitely going to have a rocky, a rocky foundation. So that's the first piece. Catherine, the next piece is that so many people are unconsciously or consciously looking for someone else to fix their life, to fix their financial issues, their mental health issues, their physical issues, their loneliness issues, whatever it is, often unconsciously, sometimes consciously. And so when we're bringing that heavy but often human baggage Into the mix without being aware of it, we are unconsciously then, or consciously trying to get the other person to give, give, give what we are missing. So that's another piece
0: that sets us up for failure. And I think that piece, I want to start with that. I I don't know, this is the second piece that you mentioned, because I think this is really something that happens in so many relations, so many relationships, this kind of not taking or being aware of what our imperfections are. Start with that. Take a look at ourselves. be self-aware. Obviously, that's what you're talking about in the book. Uh, and then if we are able to do that, I'm assuming, uh, we will be more realistic in terms of, the partners that we choose and and not do what you said looking for someone to fix us for our imperfections but that is critical uh, and how do we let's talk about how we do that i mean some people are more set up for doing it uh, they're perhaps more self-aware they're more into those kinds of uh, they may be into the profession themselves, a social worker, a psychologist, but what about those people who've never thought about it before? Can we backtrack? What do they do? How do they begin to take a look at themselves and say, at first I have to look at myself and then I can go on and establish a, a good relationship with someone else?
1: Thank you for really focusing on that point because that is where the book starts. That is the premise of the joy of imperfect love. That if we begin with the self, so those other two pieces are the backstory. Now, if we look at the self and really look at, wait a minute, I'm not perfect. If I know more about who I am, what my history is, what my childhood issues are, my unresolved trauma—no blame, no shame—to mom and dad, but really explore the patterns that I inherited that work for me, and you know, embrace those, make them bigger. Find the patterns that are working against me that I don't want to pass down, that I don't want to keep in my life. So now we're getting, through introspection, through self-reflection, we're coming to understand more about our own imperfections, not judging them not judging anybody else, but saying, how do these play out in my own love for myself? Then once we get a handle on that, it's not about being perfect. It's not about getting it all wrapped up before you're in a relationship. In fact, you might be in a relationship while you're doing this work. Then we can turn to our partner, be more aware of what we are bringing into the, the partnership and asking that partner to fix for us, and then joining with that partner who ideally ideally, wants to do the work with us. And so that is the magic of imperfect love. Whether it's romantic love or familial love or, you know, a dear friend, if we have someone in our life who wants to do the work with us, who wants to work on communicating better, who wants to work on improving self-awareness, emotional intelligence, that is the secret to imperfect love, which is Healthy, genuine, authentic love,
0: and you also mentioned that uh, you, you, we can we do this obviously with a partner, social relationships, but also it can be extended to, I would assume, relationships with, uh, and maybe honing in on our relationships with our children, with extended family members, and even in work relationships.
1: Absolutely, Catherine. Because love is not we think of. Romantic love as the love. Yet we can also have incredibly deep love, not just for the self, but for our children, for our parents, for our friends. We can love our friends deeply. And when we learn the skills that are necessary for self reflection, for self understanding, for knowing our wounds, working on our wounds that can be healed, working on our imperfections, our frailties, so to speak. Accepting those that can't be changed, because some can't be changed, and many can be changed, and then we can pivot and take those skills. For example, basic healthy listening skills, and those can be taken into every relationship. Like you said, work, children, social settings, friendships, romantic love, so the book the title is yes the joy of imperfect love and it is a love that we can bring into every relationship in our lives.
0: You talk about toxic inner narratives. Can we be specific? What are some of those toxic inner narratives that that, that those voices that we're hearing that are not good for us that are not healthy that we need to be aware of? Specifically, what can we list some of those? Absolutely.
1: Some of the toxic inner narratives are, I am broken, I am right, I am unlovable, I am unworthy, I am unnecessary, all of these types of inner narratives that we don't voice, but they're running behind the scenes. So, for example, when I'm working with a client who has low self-esteem, low self-esteem, now the, the person may appear very confident, and we, we don't want to confuse that. Somebody may appear very confident but have very low self-esteem. We will eventually uncover in that person's life, generally from childhood, a parental figure or a coach or a caregiver, somebody, some things over time that told that child, you're stupid you're not enough you will never go far in life you should be afraid all of these internal narratives that the brain is formed around these early messages so that person moves out into the world with these scripts that are running behind the scenes and their life builds around these scripts their love relationships build around these scripts And so they go in and are often repeating childhood patterns of feeling unworthy, unlovable, that give rise to jealousy, give rise to emotional abuse, give rise to criticism of the self and others. So all of these, and when we become aware of what, and many of us have internal scripts That we're not aware of some people are aware of them I've become aware of mine and worked on them and we can use me as an example I grew up feeling as if I should be perfect in order to be loved put another word another way if I am not perfect I am not lovable and so you can imagine the deep work that is necessary to rewire the brain to rewire the psyche to say hmm I may have some work to do, and I will likely have work to do for the rest of my life if I'm lucky, and I will still be lovable despite my imperfections. I just want to become more aware of them so they don't hinder my process.
0: What but do we do? We, I'm going to stop you there for a minute, because yes. what do we do? Let's say you're describing these are maybe, and I'm going to say traumas or childhood toxic narratives that you've gotten from your parents uh what do you do when you grow up or as you're growing up or evolving is probably a better word what do you do when you uncover these toxic narratives but you're still attached to the people whether it's parents or it could be anybody that you're close to um how do you relate to them do you have to cut yourself off from those relationships Uh, what do you do
1: It's such a good point, Catherine. Thank you. What you realize is people who are flexible, who genuinely love you and want you to be your best self, as you evolve, there's this one saying I love that says, all things change when we do. And when we change, our relationships will shift. And people who want what's best for us will Help us and understand that we're learning boundaries and we're setting new boundaries respectfully and kindly and, you know, as courageously as possible, and they will make space for us and they will applaud us and support us and be so happy for our journey. People who live in fear, who want the broken patterns to stay the way they were because they worry that, and this is generally all done unconsciously, people like homeostasis. So as you change and old unhealthy patterns start changing, there's a ripple effect and things start shifting. And people who don't have a high degree of self-awareness, emotional intelligence, they will balk. They will want you to go back to your old ways. So for people who are, who are maybe not very self-aware but applaud your shifts and see that you're blossoming, they may decide that you're a great role model and say, oh, my goodness, she's changing. I want to change, too. That's magical. For people who are really fear-based, they may become cruel. They may become highly toxic. They may be brutal. And those are the ones where, with grace and dignity, you learn to step back from those relationships. It doesn't necessarily mean to sever them, but it does mean to be able to state, I'm changing. I realize it's making you uncomfortable. I do have new boundaries. And if you can appreciate the new me, who is kind and respectful and loving, I will stay in your life. But if we need to take a break from this so that you can become acclimated to the new me, who says, polite nose and who doesn't want to be a doormat or all of these things then you know we'll just have to take a big time out and if you're ever willing to work with me on allowing me to be the best version of myself then i would love to be in your life again
0: establishing new boundaries is the key is what you're saying yes yes and that's yeah, and and they're your boundaries yes. i think yes and and knowing that it's it's difficult. I think you mentioned this a little earlier. Change is very difficult, and perhaps I mean you're the psychologist. Initially, don't we all resist? There's there's a certain kind of built-in resistance, um, making excuses for what we're doing, even though it's not working for us, and that we we have to get over those and become less resistant ourselves. Just in initially, as we're Absolutely. exploring, yeah.
1: Absolutely. People don't like change. Humans don't like change. We get used to things, but that's the beautiful part about the self awareness component, the self reflection component. Because then we can understand, even if we're new to the process, we can understand oh, I'm learning to ride a bicycle. I may fall. I may get hurt, but this is new, I want to do this, and my brain will learn this. It's the same thing we do when we learn a new job or a new cooking skill, right? And so we get to take this in this idea of healthy change is good. Expanding our humanity, our inner self, is good. And so having grace and compassion for ourselves, and for the people in our lives who may not understand why. Why are all of a sudden we saying no? Why all of a sudden aren't we being, you know, the good gal or the willing man? What is it that's happening? And that's where we get to set our boundaries clearly, even tell people, hey, I'm in psychotherapy or I've read this book that's changing my life. I'm doing a lot of self-work. So as you see the new me, you know, I, I hope that you can support that new
0: So it's really important to communicate. That's the word I'm hearing while you're going through this process. You need to communicate to those people who you love or are important to you and who you want them and who you want in your life. But there has to be a change. Um,
1: Absolutely. I'm just going to read a quote.
0: uh, This is a quote of your quote. I'm quoting you. (laughs) The key to healthy relationships is accepting that real love is messy Imperfect, imperfect, and a work in progress. To me, that's those are the the key words that we've been discussing. Um, messy. It's not it, kind of messy. I guess messy is the opposite off- opposite of perfect. Would you say? And that that's okay.
1: Absolutely, and that's the part you're 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 homing in on such important details because the messiness is the part, especially those of us who like perfection or who are used to staying in our lane, when things get messy, anxiety comes up. When communication gets a little bit difficult because now all of a sudden we're actually communicating, we're talking about things instead of stonewalling or shutting down or compartmentalizing, it gets messy. And what we want to realize, it is in that mess, that struggle of finding How can I join with you? How can I understand you? How can we meet and be team players in this beautiful thing of life? So you got it. The communication is one of the key foundations. And that's why I also want to show ourselves and other people compassion. We generally don't get education in communication. We may get a business communications course if we're lucky. And we may communicate well at work. But the difference between work and relationships, love relationships where we're vulnerable, those skills don't translate well at all because in business, you know, you're the top dog or you're the boss or you're skilled at this, so you're communicating about something you're very secure in. But when we get into our intimate relationships with friends, family, loved ones, oh, that's where we're vulnerable. And that's where that messiness we need to allow ourselves and our partners to be a little bit messy as we learn these skills that are, that are outlined in The Joy of Imperfect Love. And as with all my books, I believe that self-help books are truly wonderful treasures, yet many of them, after you're done reading it, you say, well, okay, that was a great read and that's wonderful and I've learned about this and agreements and secrets and all of that, but my life isn't changing. And that's the part where I really invest a great deal of time and energy in my books in creating exercises that are workbook-style exercises that listeners, readers, can complete at their own pace by themselves. Some of them are with, you know, partners or loved ones. And it is by doing those exercises Doing that introspection and then some of the work and some of the communication, that you're actually neurobiologically taking what you learned in the book and creating new neural pathways, and those new neural pathways lead to the change in real life. Rather, one than of the things
0: that the you mentioned now. that I mean that is that, and I just want to go a little bit. Back to the bi- business relationships are usually, as you said, well defined. You may be the boss, uh, you may be middle management, whatever your title, it's a defined relationship or even a de- more defined communication. But when you're relationships that are messy, imply ambivalence and to some people, even chaos. And it's terrifying to them. They don't, because messy doesn't necessarily mean chaos but they equate the two they're afraid i think that's one thing and the second thing is is the ambivalence uh, i think many of us feel i don't want to deal with this ambivalence let's just uh, uh, you know define how you know our responses or our communications and really not take a look of how that affects me or the person that i'm communicating with
1: absolutely because it's easier to stay out of the mud. It's easier to stay on the beaten path. But that beaten path is why so many of our relationships aren't satisfying. It's why they're superficial. It's why there isn't the emotional connection that people are craving. People want to connect emotionally. And that's not possible when we aren't willing to get a little messy. And yes, there is the down, the one downside of the messiness is it can get a little bit rough and a little bit tricky. The upside to the messiness is you learn things that you would never learn any other way about yourself and about the person next to you.
0: Do you think when you first learn something, as you say, about yourself and the person next to you, obviously it would seem to me that propels you on to keep on going because, wow, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be an epiphany, but it's, I had no idea, that, you know, that that I was, you know, and and that that's kind of the first step. And uh, as you say, it begins to generalize to the new responses. Um, so allow yourself that first step. Uh, you you and, know we yeah.
1: I was just going to say, absolutely, it is that you know dipping your toe in the water and saying, oh, this isn't. Going to burn me, it's not going to scald me, it won't freeze me. And then dipping it in again and again and again, and before you know it, you're ankle deep, waist deep, and before, you know, six months are up, you're actually swimming in it. Swimming in that sea of gentle, respectful, love-filled connection.
0: We only have a couple of minutes left, so I want to make, I want to obviously mention the book again, The Joy of Imperfect Love, The Art of Creating Healthy, Securely Attached Relationships, and I have been talking to the author of that book, and the author of actually many books, we haven't even mentioned your other books, Dr. Carla Marie Manley, PhD, a clinical psychologist, so... Uh, Doctor, could you please give us a website, websites to go to uh, for more information about this book and about your other books too and, and the work you're doing?
1: Thank you. It's Dr. Carla Manley, M A N L Y.com. And I encourage listeners to go to the tab first off. You can look at my podcast. It's a wonderful podcast called Imperfect Love, so you'll see podcast there. But for my books, you will click on the Books tab, and the Books tab beneath each book, so there's The Joy of Imperfect Love, there is The Joy from Fear, Date Smart, Aging Joyfully. Beneath each book is a link for a free download, so you don't have to enter your name or anything and just Download the little sheets that give you an idea of what your self-work. It's, it's an introduction to self-work. It's an introduction to let you see how that journey inside can change your, your, your entire life. So just look for that on the books or the, or the toolkit page.
0: Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Lots of good information. And uh, for more information, uh, go to Dr. Carla Marie Manley and this book, well, the one we've been talking about amongst so many others, The Joy of Imperfect Love. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show.